this episode. And I took a camping trip and we had it all guided by AI. They can yep. literally be at three places at once and not skip a beat. And that to me would be unheard of when I was growing up. Crazy. I felt really like old. <laughs> and here I am trying to figure out how to do that. It took me two hours and yep. she can figure it out in two seconds. Right? She's a 13 year old wanting to change the world. He goes, mistakes are so important to our journey. We need to learn from them. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan. And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. And we've got a terrific special guest with us today. Somebody that I first met, uh, well, a decade ago, um, Ursula Yabrez, who is currently working in the Reality Labs uh, division at Meta. Um, she's the Global Director of Customer Growth. And so... Um, if you want to talk about AI and emerging technologies and workplace, then Ursula is the person to talk to. Oh, yes. I um, love it. Hey, welcome, so, Ursula. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. It's been a while, but it also feels like it was just yesterday when we were together. I know. It's a I know. It's, to be here. It's a scary thing, isn't it? Time. <laughs> hey, you know what I did uh, last weekend, which is a bit related to your work, is mm -hmm. a friend of mine and I took a oh, camping yeah. trip, and we had it all guided by AI, right? Oh. And every decision. There used to be a thing called Dice Man, you know, about twenty years ago, where someone mm -hmm. made all these decisions with dice. We were making all our decisions with AI, and um, you'll be pleased to hear that it didn't throw us off the edge of a cliff. Uh, <laughs> in fact, we ended up finding some very nice pubs and uh, having some having some very nice wines, actually. So it wasn't we didn't really rough it, I have to say. But uh, yeah, it's becoming all part of every part of our life, isn't it? It's uh, it's uh, really changed a lot. It has, it has. It's uh, it's incredible. I mean, when you think about that without blinking, it's already part of your lives. I have now two boys, they're, you know, 12 and 13. And yep. for them, you know, multitasking, playing video games at the same time they're watching on their iPads, other kids playing games and they're talking to me at the same time. They can yep. literally be at three places at once and not skip a beat. And that to me would be unheard of when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's unheard of me now, I would imagine. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know our process, don't you, Esla? We're going to uh, get you to share a story or two. Yeah. And... And and I guess the, the main thing I think is the most important bit is that we get to talk about it, right? What we liked, what could it be better, you know, where you'd use it, all those sort of great things our audience really appreciates. Um, so I'm going to throw it to you. I'll let you maybe make sure you give them a little bit of context so that they know a little bit about your world and how this story might play out, right? So okay. that, always, that always helps. And I love it. We always say at Meta, feedback is a gift. So thank you for the opportunity, both to tell my story, but also to learn as a, as a result of this. So just before I begin, um, as Mark said, you know, I do work in the Reality Labs division for, for Meta. And what we do is we bring new technologies uh, that are going to innovate enterprises, mm. businesses, ideally. That's, that's the spirit. These are technologies like the Quest, 
Quest Pros, um, where you can experience, immerse yourself in a new reality and really experience a new kind of presence. These are like your VR goggles that you would put on, right? Ah, Stepping into the internet and Mm -hmm. being present into the internet. There's technology is like the the actual uh, Ray-Ban glasses where you can take videos or pictures and take calls and eventually those, you know, ideally we can create augmented reality layered over your glasses. That's some of the ideas that we're we're bringing to market and technologies that are along the, the lines of hardware, software that are meant to bring what we call extended reality into yeah. business. So that's that's a little that's bit your, of that's your world, world, right? Yeah. That's my world. Hey, just so, just on just that on us, sorry to jump yeah. in there, but I, I I sort of was always a little bit arm's length with this whole VR world, right? But it was only recently that someone told me something that got me excited by it, and that was this idea that you put your you're in your VR goggles or whatever, and instead of having to have your iPhone, oh there you have, you've got one right there. Yeah. Um, instead of having to you know have your iPhone with you, you can sort of like conjure up an iPhone, right? And instead of having to um, have your computer there, you conjure up your computer and and so you have all your dev- devices, but you don't have to carry anything apart from your you know your VR goggles around. That's right. That's Imagine that your goggles becomes your virtual office. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's an interesting cool. idea, isn't it? That's the idea. So, yeah. right? And that's a perfect segue to the story that I'm about to share. Two months ago, I had my goddaughter, Nata, coming to visit me from Canada. She's a 13-year-old girl. And first thing she said is like, I want to try your Quest Pros because these are fairly new in the market. And I was excited because she knows what I do. And I'm like, oh, you know, you got to try them on. And she put them on and I had to do zero guidance to her. She basically immediately knew how to navigate the tool. Not only that, she, she went further and she reconfigured my landing space, which is kind of the virtual office. I had a little very Zen environment with a fire crackling. When you come in, she actually put me back into space. So when I came in the last time um, I was in the, in the universe looking at different stars and and constellations. And what was interesting is how natural it was for her Mm. to not only play around, but she immediately started talking about all the different examples that she could do at school she goes, oh, my God, I can use this at school for this, at school for that. Yeah, she goes, imagine all the things you can do for work. I'm like, yes, imagine taking this as your virtual office. So her excitement really was something that reminded me about what we're doing at work. Why am I so excited at work? Which yeah. is we're bringing a new computing platform into the enterprise market. It's a pretty important and audacious, audacious goal. And just to give you a little bit of context of what the market could be, I was looking at the IDC estimates that the future of work investments in 2026 is going to be up to $650 billion. That's including all the hardware, software, and services connected to the future of work. And that is much larger than the global market opportunity for advertising, which is what made successful uh, Facebook when we 
we're just starting, right? So mm. that's just a market opportunity. Yeah, but right. What really was something that lit up my eyes is to see her talk about the use cases. Yeah. And what problems companies can solve with this technology. Um, an example of that is just this earlier this year, Pfizer, we had three gentlemen from the smart manufacturing team at Pfizer. Pfizer, we all know because they're the ones that first provided us with our COVID vaccines. So they were talking at this um, event, um, the AWE or O event, which is a, a very popular community for XR, um, uh, the XR industry. And they talked about how they use extended reality in their manufacturing process, especially in their COVID vaccine manufacturing process. So this presentation is actually available on YouTube and I'll share this with you after. Mm. But they talked about how they implemented augmented reality and virtual reality in their training uh, for the staff that were doing manufacturing. And the results were 40% reduction in training time, three times improved quality of the product that they were manufacturing, 20% increase in the speed of their manufacturing process, and three times efficiencies. And to me, that was I mean, the video goes on to giving you a lot more detail as to how they applied that, that technology to the training, what were the problems that they were solving for each of their work streams. But what was so fascinating is that the benefit wasn't just for the company or the employees. At the end of the day, we're the ones that benefited the most because we got COVID vaccines in record times. So when I look at one little girl, 13-year-old coming to my house, and starting to look at possibilities with this technology right off the bat without any prompting. Mm. It makes me really, really excited about the first examples that we're seeing from companies about kind of like the journey ahead. We're really, really early stages, but we're really seeing some really amazing benefits and use cases starting to surface. So that was yeah. something that why I'm so excited about this space why it's happening even before we we think it's not happening um and you know love to have the opportunity mm. to share with as many people as i can yeah we can tell you're excited that's that's the nice thing immediately you feel you know uplifted when someone's excited about something um i, I tell you the uh, the first let's start with the first story hey mark let's okay. have a chat about that first story I, I love the fact that you start with this strong time marker Right. We tell our audience that, you know, it's so important to kick your stories off yeah. with, you know, when it happened. And uh, so that was that was there. I, you know, I immediately heard that. Um, and I don't know, I could, I could really picture, you know, having that conversation. The other thing I was wondering as, as uh, you were chatting and talking about that is that how, when someone else, someone's got their goggles on, right, yeah. how do you see what they're seeing are you got a screen that you can see how does that work can you, oh, that's is that... you can't no unless i'm uh casting which yeah. i could actually and i've done that in the past right so you the person unless has I'm to cast casting it. into the screen you can't see you can only right. kind of time it based on what she's doing and i can say okay now she's Right. That takes about two minutes to load. Now this is where she's at. And oh, then I, see, yeah. I know based on her hand movements, because she started pinching the air, 
Yeah. She's doing something. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> right. Yeah, recon- reconfiguring your landing page, putting you in space. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was nice. And, you know, like there was some nice little details, all in the details, you know, the crackling of the fire, you know, the Zen space, uh, all those things just bring the image alive for us. Uh, you know, the constellations, seeing the stars, you know, just those little details that you were saying along the way. Uh, really help. It would really just bring us and immerse us into your world there. Uh, using her na- your your um your your goddaughter's name, for example. Now, now you know it's one of those names we hadn't heard before, so it it was hard for me to uh, just connect into that name. I don't know what was her name again. So it's Natalie, but because we're both Peruvian, I call her Nata. Ah, Nata. Right there, you go. Yeah, so but even saying something like that, knowing that that might be a, a word that might stumble people a little bit, uh, uh-huh. that's that's a nice thing to say. Plus, it gives a bit of an insight into your background, which people always love. Um, you know, when they're meeting people for the first time. What are your thoughts, Mark? What what jumped out for you? Well, the the fact that uh, that Ursula, the, uh, uh, rather than talk about the details of the story, what what struck me was that. The, uh, Ursula used the example of Nata to illustrate the possibilities of of the uh, you know of extended reality, mm. right? And that it was and and by describing it, we know that it's easy to use. It's got huge potential applications, and and it's just so different from the way most people would go about describing extended reality oh yes it's got you know it's very intuitive it's very easy to use and blah 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 and and it's it just for me it's water off a duck's back but you chose to use the example of your 13 year old uh uh goddaughter is it or niece it is like she's my goddaughter yeah goddaughter all right and we're there with you and it's it's just a much more effective way of communicating the messages and kind of i'm i'm i've gone ah Wow, where do we get one of those like that? <laughs> Rather than uh, here's somebody trying to sell me something, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a very different way, that, you know. And it's the it's the choice. And, and look, it, it, it takes me back to to, to twenty twelve because Steve yeah. Hopkins was uh, the head of customer success um, okay. for for Yammer, and after you'd done the training, he we were speaking to him. And he talked about a presentation that you gave. Yes. To Microsoft Black Belts yes. about Yammer and how rather than in a day full of PowerPoint presentations, you stood up without PowerPoint and told three stories and stole the show. And and he's going, and like, and the one of the things that really that I sticks in my mind is he said it was the first time during the day that this room full of these black belt salespeople they actually weren't looking at their computers some have even took the unprecedented step of closing their laptops while yeah. they was speaking. shock horror so, yeah <laughs> they were paying attention <laughs> they were and so yeah. anyway I, I guess what you know in you know, my my takeaway from what you just did is it's just a much more impactful engaging and memorable way of getting your message across that you just that you just Thank shared. You. What did what did you like in the story, Ursula? Was there anything that you particularly like to tell when you tell that story? Yeah. So what I felt when I saw that 13-year-old girl naturally try a technology that is quite sophisticated 
and can be very powerful, but also it's very nascent mm -hmm. in its journey. Yeah. And see her immediately start talking about possibilities. It confirmed that this is the future. It confirmed mm -hmm. to me that I, before, you know, when you're entering a new space, when you're creating a new category, it's rife with doubts, right? Yes, the, right. Especially the media, it's totally like, not friendly to the metaverse, not friendly to these technologies because it's foreign. Yeah. It's new. It's unknown. But when I saw her and then I connect the dots with what I'm seeing at companies, early stages, getting some of these results, it became unquestionable to me that the future is that, that yeah. that is going to be a real thing in the future. And that if we don't continue on this path, we're going to miss out. Yeah. Yeah. And and it felt like I want to be part of that journey. I want to be part with her journey. I want to I want to hold her hand and listen to her as she is evolving and participating in this technology experience and make sure that whatever we do, it's safe for them and that it's you know uh, a positive experience that it's solving a problem and not just. Mm. Uh, causing problems which right. you may do both you never know as well, we said. started the conversation with AI but that's why I really felt that her story was meaningful for me how how quickly did you realize that as you had that experience with your goddaughter that you realized that that was a story that you could tell you know I, I find with me that sometimes it might take a day or two before I reflect back and go wow actually what I just saw there would be a great, yeah. like, I don't know, for you, what was it? Did it happen straight away or? I mean, when I put my my uh, headset back on and I saw the good, what she had done. Oh, right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I just, the weeks before we were doing demos and we are struggling ourselves in just kind of, uh, for example, where we do our meetings um, on VR every day and there's always someone losing their voice or there's always some technical problem and when I saw her immediately figure it out it was like got it right. it was just yeah, we're like, gonna get there it doesn't have to be that difficult it's gonna get easier mm, yeah and and that's why I think uh, why it was easy for me is like I need to tell this story because mm. yeah it's a good one it was a moment it was like oh my god this is crazy I felt really like old <laughs> And here I am trying to figure out how to do that. It takes me two hours and yep. she can figure it out in two seconds. Yeah. Yep. How was, how, how, could you describe, so you described that Nada was very excited to try your yeah. Quest Pros. Can you just, like, what words would you use to describe her when she when she took them off and talked to you about the experience? What, you know, what, what emotions was she exhibiting? You know? uh, she was uh, very talkative. <laughs> It was her mind. Yeah, was, she, her mind was going faster than her tongue, for example, right? Like she was yeah. uh, alive. Her eyes were bright. Um, she was also very thoughtful. Like besides excitement, she was just like thinking about, because she's also very, she cares about the environment. She cares about causes for the world, right? Mm. But she was thinking about not just any use cases, like how can this help the world? Right, because she's a thirteen-year-old wanting to change the world, and yeah, right. So her, she was animated, but also very like her brain was. I could see almost smoke coming out of her head, you know. All right, the, yeah. Thinking so, about all the different so ideas. That, 
that I think that detail added into your, into the story would be really powerful, right? Just ah. her her reaction to the yeah. experience, and, but you know, that of course leads me to another question, which is directly related to that, because you kind of talked about you know like a, I guess a kind of a rational explanation of oh yes, you know you saw the the possibilities of the future and you were reassured that you're on the right path and you know, it's early days and that, so that's all very interesting. But in that moment, when you saw her head, you know, her brain going faster than her mouth and the excitement, you know, what did you feel you know, in that moment? Can you kind of put into words how you felt? I felt proud. Mm-hmm. I felt proud to be able to share something that makes me excited with someone I love. Mm-hmm. And, and to Beautiful. for her to also feel the same level or more of excitement, it felt um, that this is something new that I can share with her yeah. um, as well. So I felt proud. I felt um, more love, right? Like yeah, this is yeah. something that I love to do. I really, really enjoy, you know, the challenge yeah. ahead and that I can share that with her. Um, it brought me closer to her. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they're just beautiful things, right? Just yeah. yeah. Hey, um, I was just thinking then, you know, you move on to the uh, numbers and oh, yeah. you, you know, you shared a, 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 you know, and I guess out of the numbers, I, I, I took the, I took away from the numbers that it was big, right? That was, that was probably the main message, mm-hmm. right? Um, but one of the things I'm, I'm learning more and more about is, mm-hmm. you know, how do you translate numbers mm. so that they kind of make sense to humans, yeah. Right, and and I can't remember the first one, the IDC one, but it was something like six hundred billion, um, yes. and and so you know trying to like I heard I heard a lovely um, example of of that type of thing, uh, which was someone was trying to give a sense of the size of different salaries, right? And it was, mm-hmm. they were talking about Amazon workers, right? And they sort of said, you know, the average salary for Amazon. Uh, an Amazon employees, let's say a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Um, and 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 if you were to um, you know sort of look at one of the top executives, um, well, that might be let's say a million dollars, right? And that would be, if you had a staircase, imagine each stair is a hundred thousand dollars. So you have to climb ten stairs to get to a top executive. Well, to get to Jeff Jeff Bezos's salary, you have to walk for three days, right, to get yeah. to that level, right? So, you know, all of a sudden you just realise, you know, the sort of magnitudes of things. And I'm just wondering, you know, how do you take something like $600 billion, yeah. um, and turn it into something that humans can go, yeah, I know what that is. That That's that's this size. Yeah. Um, what was it in relation to? What was the six hundred billion again? I'm just trying to remember. In relation to, so the uh, advertising market opportunity. Right, right. So if you so, look at when Facebook first started, yeah, right. The, they were focused on selling advertising in a new platform that nobody yeah, knew. Yeah. Nobody really, and you know, ten years later, we've seen the amazing opportunity that advertising market had. With this new platform, yeah. right? And now we know the story of Facebook, one of the largest technology companies, social media companies in the in the world. Yeah. And so 
this is much bigger opportunity than that. Right. And I think about, for example, when I when I worked at um, back in 2005, I joined Salesforce. So Salesforce in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. right, entered the space similarly. And we're defining a new category, bringing a new platform to work called Software as a Service. Yeah. And when I joined, the ambition was to get to $1 billion. And we got there just um, around 2008, I believe. Right. In between, between when I started in 2010, I know we hit $1 billion, which yeah. seemed incredible it yep. seemed unfathomable now fast forward you know salesforce is worth several billion dollars they make in revenue and imagine so the scope of 600 billion dollars it's imagine six salesforce companies yes yes right so that's that's that starts to yeah. give a a feeling yeah. for the size yeah. of this. As soon as you say that, that was really nice, and yeah. put in and you put it naturally into a story structure by talking about your experience. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's Smart. nice. Yeah, I think actually that that's one of the lessons I have in my mind is anything you can have an opportunity to put it into your own experience yeah. is a winner, right? Like you did Thanks that to you, I ever I relate everything in my life to a personal <laughs> story because I felt like when when I learned about the connection story, I was like, yes, I really. That's the beginning of everything. That's the genesis, right? The connection yeah. story. It's like, yeah. can can I connect to another person and have them get to know me and build credibility by the stories that I tell. So then yeah. I can earn the right to continue in a value exchange with them, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's so true. And uh, I, I, I love that that you that you put this into practice. I mean, you know, talk about star student. Wow. I, I, I was watching I was watching a video of you at a, at a, at a conference in 2016 and you oh, talked yeah. about uh, uh, how you and uh, your family your husband and, and two boys, is that right? Yes. Two boys we had, had gone, gone to Moab. Moab. And you had an, a, an all-terrain vehicle and your son, you know, you, it was much harder than it seemed. And I'm thinking, oh, she's totally going to land a business point here. And you did. And, you know, there was your son standing on the roof. And it was like, I'm thinking... You had a tear in. You had this? your tear in, a, in your <laughs> eye, didn't you, Mark? <laughs> well, yeah. The prodigal student. Yeah, uh, was, but it was, it, but it was your opening. It yeah. was directly relevant to the content that you were delivering, and it also revealed an enormous amount to you and and made, made people feel connected to you, as you as you yeah. just described. It was it was brilliantly done, and I'm pleased to, that that this is not just when you start the conference, but you've kind of incorporated into your whole way of of communicating. I was trying to build more stories, right, and also the mm. influence stories, like. In the yeah. past, we did this, and now, you know, we do we do, do it differently. This. Yeah. Um, hey, so one of the things we like to do in the in the podcast is yeah. just, I mean, we're trying to give our audience stories to tell, right? So yeah. I can imagine them recounting your Nada story, right? But to, to to do it with effectiveness, of course, we've got to work out what the potential points are. Now, it might be more than the point that you were trying to land. There might be other points. So it'd be great for us, the three of us, just to see if we can 
think of, you know, what points could we draw from that story that our audience might be able to use? Um, one one jumped out for me, which which mm-hmm. wasn't told, but it was inferred, I guess, is that you know, thirteen year olds, young people, um, are not uh, held back by old ways of thinking right they're they're experiencing things new in many cases um and therefore just can jump in and just run with it straight away um i can imagine that could be a a a story a point that could make is there any others that jump out for you and i think you know if if i if i connect what you just said Mm. to the example of the pfizer team the smart manufacturing team what i find companies that are trying to not be held back by previous experiences Mm. is they start small. So instead of going full on with something innovative, they take a team and they experiment. So it's, I guess, is their version of, of safely getting rid of preconceived notions and creating a space where they can be like 13 year olds. Yes. Uh, by not wreaking havoc to the business by letting them move <laughs> across <laughs> all of the departments yeah. all at once, slowly, slowly. But I think that's what we're seeing is that there is this excitement, but it starts small. Yeah, it's, yeah. How do we bring more than that 13-year-old mindset? It's so true. And you've reminded me last last night, I think it was, or maybe the night before, I watched um, the movie Air, which was about Air Jordans and... And oh, how that yes. all, how Nike. That. Oh, it's a it's a fabulous movie. But there's a a small scene in it where Phil Knight, who's the CEO, is in his office and he's looking down at the car park and he says, mm-hmm. "When the hell is David doing with a skateboard?" And you know, David's their head shoe designer, and he must be in his forties, I suppose, maybe fifties. You know, mm-hmm. bald, sort of beefy, sort of guy, and he's on this skateboard going around. And the next the next scene, we cut into him in his office. And they're designing the Air Jordan, but it sort of gave this perception of this designer, of someone who took on thing new and loved to try stuff out, and you know, he kept his youth somehow all through. You know, like, hey, skateboards are new. I'm going to give that a go as well, right? Um, I think it's a it's such an important characteristic uh, yeah. in this space, right? Um, yeah, well, and there's there's a, a, another one that that comes to my mind but you know with both those stories is that you know don't sit in your office and try and and, and try and come up with the perfect idea yeah. go out there and just do it just right. do it try it out <laughs> uh hello um uh, yeah and no pun but, intended with the air movie i love it yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> no pun intended but uh yeah rather than sit in your office and try and design yeah. something that's perfect go out and and try it you know put them put them on and jump on yeah. a skateboard and see what happens Put the VR helmet on your head and see what possibilities emerge. So that's another great uh, uh, potential business point. Mm. It's and the spirit of play that brings that a young person brings, right? Like yep. you said, there's no preconceived notions. But her excitement also reminded me of as if we're just playing. Right. And I think if we're truly, like you said, just doing it. But there is a sense of fun in experimenting. Mm. And if we don't lose our young 13-year-olds that are inside all of us and continue to play at work, I think we can discover so many new things. 
when we step yes. out of our usual environments, right? And experiment yeah. and innovate. Is that sense of play that young kids bring that not afraid to fail, not afraid to lift ball. If it, you know, so if she made a mistake, she probably didn't, probably made a few mistakes before changing my configuration. <laughs> but she just went forward with it. Yeah, I think this is a really important point, isn't it? I last night I was listening to an audio book about Paul Simon, um, you know, Simon and Garfunkel fame, etc. Yes. Um, but they were talking about the difference between uh, what they called old masters versus young geniuses in terms of artists, right? Mm -hmm. And it turns out that people who have long careers in a creative space are someone who has an experimentation approach. Right. So, for example, Matisse didn't really hit his peak until he was in his 70s. Right. Whereas Picasso, you know, he was he just just burning bright, you know, very as a, as a young man. Right. And I think and, and the attitude of Matisse and Paul Simon is the same. And I'll take Paul Simon example. He had this idea that oh, it might be good to uh, use this very bizarre French instrument in his next recording. So he flies to Paris. He finds this woman who's an expert in, in you know, playing it. And they have three days together. She plays this instrument. He does all these things. And he comes out of it and goes, yeah, there's nothing I really wanted to record. You know, he says, oh, that's information. You know, like yeah. he wasn't worried about it. He was, it wasn't like, oh, my God, I failed. You know, I made a mistake. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, you know doesn't hurt that you're a very rich man like Paul Simon, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, but it's an attitude thing, right? It's so interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Great. Um, now you meant that you mentioned Ursula that you had two stories. Oh yes. Well, yeah. Well, the other one's short, yeah. but it's somewhat connected. Tell us, tell us the second story. All right. We love so, stories. When I was thinking about the story, it was, um, uh, and I kind of mentioned it, it reminded me when I first worked at Salesforce back in 2005, when we were in the same situation, very similar in terms of creating a new space, bringing a new computing platform, software as a service. So last year, as we were uh, being absorbed by the Reality Labs uh, team, I thought it would be a good idea to invite one of my mentors and good friends, Frank from Vinendal, who for 13 years was a chief sales officer at Salesforce. He then um, ended up retiring and he's now on several boards of, of, of companies. And But I remember him from the beginning of our journey, he was always very present in the front lines as well as, you know, critical in shaping the company from its very origins into what it became. Um, massive innovation, you know, breakthrough, like totally disrupted the, the software industry. So he came and he talked to the team because one of the things that I thought was important is to, is to acknowledge that this is something really difficult to do. Even though we are so full of excitement, it's, it's something that will take many levels of iteration um, and a team that's united, right? And he, he left five key principles that I wrote down because if you think about it, these are applicable to not just 
companies are disrupting an industry, but they're applicable to any company or any person starting a new business. And they're like, always start with a purpose and vision above anything else. He said, second was that our aspirations are fuel for our teams, but we need to encourage them and trust that this vision will become a reality, even if it feels really distant. That is so true. Mm. Oftentimes it feels so far away, but it's like trust that this is the right path. And I think the story from my knees was a good reminder I needed to have to trust that it's okay. It's going to take time, but you're on the right path. He goes, mistakes are so important to our journey. We need to learn from them. And those will be the keys to success in the coming years. Mm. <clears throat> His fourth was deliver products that customers will love. Not just the next features that are needed, but the customers are going to love because it solves real business problems. He goes, furthermore, invite your customers to build products with you. And the last one, which is, I found very relevant at the time is that it is hard to sell something that shifts a paradigm. It is important to acknowledge that and to focus on our strengths and working intentionally to mitigate our limiting beliefs. And that's <clears throat> what I felt was something that we bring with us and that we constantly have to challenge ourselves um, and I felt that his message was full of personal stories. And those are the five key ingredients that were landed from all his personal stories that I remember the most. Oh, cool. Um, That's great. Lovely. I love it. Yeah, it's, um, I, know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's exciting to hear that. Exciting to hear that. Well, I'm excited to hear it because, um, and I'm, I'm going to go back and, and and listen to them, write these down because uh, uh, one of the things that that we talk about in anecdote is that we are trying to sell a product that mm. requires a paradigm shift. Mm. But, yeah, we, and the, and the product is better communication, different communication choices using this tool called Story, and mm -hmm. the paradigm shift that was required is that people need to realize that the way we do it at the moment isn't enough it isn't good enough and we accept it without question and we should question it so yeah that one really that one totally caught my ear mm. and to trust it right yeah and to trust it because <clears throat> many of us have these limiting beliefs right we become too grown up sometimes we need to touch base with a 13 year old inside of us be more playful and try but also the trust and the vision is important and encouraging the teams through stories, <clears throat> through wins, yeah, through, through positive reinforcement, reminders. I think that's why working with clients and seeing their success and bringing that story internally, it's so important. Beautiful. So we don't lose faith. No, exactly. Especially when things get hard. Oh, yeah. And you they know? do. They do. That's right. No, that's good. So, could I? I, I, I've got a burning question. Yes, right? and, and that is that you've been consciously using story in a whole bunch of ways, and you've demonstrated that really uh, profoundly in this episode. When you think back over the last ten years or so, mm. what's the moment, the, the time when you went, 
oh my, you know, this stuff really works or the time when you had the biggest impact or made the biggest difference. So, you know, a time when you saw a story have an impact or when it, you had that, that realization. I would say that, that it was through the training that you gave us that I learned to finish my stories. <laughs> right. So I naturally was a storyteller, mm -hmm. but I would sometimes get lost in my telling of the story and I would forget my point. And that happens to a lot of us. You know, we get so excited in the beginning that we get lost halfway and we don't know where to, where to end. And it wasn't the practice of having a framework that for me, the aha moment was when we were recording our stories with each other and I was getting feedback and I was getting the feedback from my peers on the point of my story and it was landing as I wanted it to land. And so I really felt like this tool was powerful, but it'll help me per be perceived the way I intended it to. Whereas before, when you're just communicating without a framework, you have no control or no, no real control of how you want that to land. But mm -hmm. the stories help because you're connecting it to an emotion. Yeah. And I think that was, for me, the biggest aha moment when I realized, of course, people remember how they feel more than the data that you provided them yeah and that i can do i can yeah, right. <laughs> make people feel good and excited or sad or afraid <laughs> <laughs> like my kids uh, yeah right watch out children exactly. yeah no fantastic well ursula it's been absolute you know wonderful to um, have these stories told and listen to your experiences i know mark's looking at me like but what about the score Is that what you're looking? Is that what you're thinking? No, about? no, no, no. I wasn't doing that. I was, I was thinking, come on, we could get another hour out of this. Come on, Ursula's <laughs> <laughs> got plenty. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> um, but yeah, we need probably should wrap things up. But any maybe one last uh, thought, comment, uh, go around. I can. I'm see Mark was itching to. to no, he's shaking his head. Okay. No, no, good. I'm, I'm good. He's just, all good. Uh, well, I think yeah, we've got just... we've got we got lots. And I mean, thank you for your time, Ursula. It was really great, and uh, it was great to see you again. And um, yes, love hearts around. The uh, so everyone out there, yeah, thanks for listening to anecdotally speaking, and of course, tune in next week for another episode on how to put your stories to work. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Oh no, don't don't go, Ursula. Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.